Dale, Chamberlain of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, The Marketech Samuel Plan, The Devil's Advocate Shinobi, The Lunatic King Maverick, and Single Syllable Mother, The Right Side of the Pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! Sup, Lords Payne, welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday, it is still Royal Rumble season, and after events this week on, on Raw and SmackDown, and some fairly dramatic events, um, we thought it was a, a good time to actually start discussing the road to WrestleMania, see where that road in fact might lead us. Um, you know, I think Plan and I have both been vocal critics of the way WWE have handled their um, their road to WrestleMania in recent years. But with this whole new era shtick being um, uh, thrown around, there may, may be a possibility that we'll get something a bit more palatable this time around. So we're going to see what the possibilities are. We're just going to kind of have a pretty, a pretty free-form chat about where we think things might be going and we'll bring in some current events and yeah, there might even be some logic in there somewhere, and you know, we might yeah. might end up with something um, resembling what we think the Mania cars might look like. Um, so, um, and something that we think resembles a podcast. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, hopefully that's the aim most weeks, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> good, good, yeah, good, goodness knows uh, we don't always succeed. Um, so, where should we start? Should we start with? I mean, I think it probably the obvious place to start would be. Um, you know, with this universal title um, scene and, uh, you know, what they seem to be, uh, what they seem to be doing. So the rumour this week, of course, was that Braun Strowman, um, he's either too injured to compete against Brock Lesnar or Vince is worried that he's calling down and therefore no one cares about the match or a combination of those two things or possibly even... Um, that he thought Strowman would be harmed by another loss to Lesnar. Like, oh, who would think that jobbing him out like three times in yeah. succession would be harmful? Yeah, that's the one that I read. Three times in short matches as well. Uh, yeah, quite, with Baron Corbin being the cause of one of them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's difficult for me to talk with any enthusiasm about anything involving Brock Lesnar anymore. Um, I suppose, you know, I mean, there's a part of me, and I know it's not going to happen. I mean, who are we kidding? Um, but there's a part of me like, can you imagine if they just had Finn beaten? And they were just like, fuck it. You know, we, we've got AEW coming up, suddenly starting, and, you know, we, we're, we're talking about a new era, all the rest of it. Let's just fucking go all in, just just this once, and just take the risk on Finn, and then, and then move to a Seth Finn match at WrestleMania for the title, because, of course, they wrestled for... The Universal, they were the first two guys dressed for the Universal title, like SummerSlam, in fact. So, you know, nice bit of history there. I know it's not going to happen, but it would just be such a huge shot in the air. It's just, just such a huge breath of fresh air well, th- th- for their th- product to just to just do something unexpected that people would like. Which, it, it, it's depressing that we live in a world where doing something unexpected that people would like seems to be so far removed from anything WWE would ever do. There's some historical precedent here, of course, because, you know, back in 2004, um, Eddie Guerrero won the world title from Brock Lesnar. Well, that's completely unexpected at the time. You know, like, I don't think anyone was expecting um, Lesnar's drop-up belt, even with the knowledge that, um, 
you know, I guess it started to leak out that he was thinking of leaving. But, you know, that was completely unexpected. And um, and it's a similar thing, isn't it? Like, smaller guy, is he believable in facing Brock Lesnar and all the rest of it? But I think, you know, obviously, I'm not suggesting that Finn Balor is anything like a peer to Eddie Guerrero in talent terms. But, you know, it's, it's not a dissimilar scenario. So, or, as you say, at the moment, it seems... <clears throat> It seems fairly remote, but given the positive reaction to his night-long story, like, you know, Vince tells him he's too small, he beats Jinder Mahal and Eliminator to get into this um, get into this sort of Eliminator match for uh, for number one contendership. You know, he, he wins the match by pinning Cena clean. Um, you know, I've got a column out this week, I'll get the plug here now um about this notion that somehow cena is doing finn massive favors by getting on the mic after the match and saying oh yeah look at this guy i mean i think it's typical cena trying to steal a spotlight for himself um i don't think necessarily finn pinning cena is any difference in pinning anybody else at this point in time but nevertheless he has pinned the, the the top guy of the past 15 years so you know fair play and yeah he's gonna be heading to Royal Rumble with a lot of momentum, having, of course, also got the added story, uh, having beat Jordan Devlin, his student, if you like, at NXT UK, going all the way, <laughs> getting on a plane, going all the way to Raw, and then having that night on story. He's suddenly got a lot of momentum, and WWE's problem is they find it difficult to recognise when somebody suddenly has that momentum behind them, and they recognise it at Becky Lynch, and they went with it, and they were rewarded. So... Maybe that's taught my lesson. Yeah. Uh, I doubt. Uh-huh. I doubt it. But it, it, it might have done. Vince is too stubborn to learn. Um, I think it's. I guess the interesting thing here, the, the mildly unpredictable thing here, is that we're in a, a a new status quo. I don't mean that in terms of you know this whole um, what's so far still feeling rather empty rhetoric about an, another new era in WWE. Uh, I'm talking about. You know, in the, in pre, even as recently as this time last year, when Brock Lesnar was Universal Champion, you knew nobody was going to beat him because you knew they were holding off for Reigns to do that. Well, Reigns did that. You know, they got they they've gone down that road. It took them forever and a day. They did untold damage to the rest of their roster, obsessing over it, and then they did it. Uh, and then they, for whatever reason, decided they needed to put the title back on him when Reigns left. But um, it's not like they're holding off for a project we know they're obsessed with anymore if that makes sense like we we it's not like we know Finn's not going to beat Lesnar because Roman Reigns is going to be wrestling Lesnar later in the year um so I guess there's there's a, a mild glimmer of hope there that because we're in sort of a new status quo that maybe they will they will do something risky particularly on on for a Wrestlemania card because you know I mean Wrestlemania sells itself anyway even if it didn't, you know that show's going to be loaded up with the usual part-time BS that they pull. They're going to rely on those part-timers to, to you know, in their mind, that, that's going to be what shifts the tickets and stuff. So, you know, they could perfectly afford to put the Universal Championship on someone like Finn and see how he does it on the big stage heading into WrestleMania. And if it does end up being, I mean, obviously Seth at the minute is kind of the, the, the favourite being rumbled about getting that Universal title shot at Mania. And if it just turned out to be Seth, there's, you know, I mean, the story there writes itself and has done for years. They have this on-again, off-again competitive rivalry with one another. I don't think Seth has ever fairly and in completely 
fair terms beaten Finn one on one, maybe after he won the Intercontinental Championship, but there's there's the odd tainted victory here and there. Um it, it was it was in a match with Finn where Seth got his curb stomped back. Obviously Seth injured Finn the first time they wrestled. There was the universal title on the line the first time they wrestled, it was SummerSlam. You know, you the, they played the first time they went went at each other at SummerSlam, they played the whole Finn is just a mini Seth thing in the storyline. You know, there's so many uh similarities between the two of them. They're they're friends in real life, that much is obvious. They've got incredible chemistry. You know, I'd be I'd if 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 we got to Royal Rumble and Finn beat Lesnar and then someone of the contemporary generation won both Rumbles again, you know, like Seth winning the Rumble, or it might not even need to be be Seth, but just someone of this generation winning the Rumble. Um Finn beats Brock for the Universal like these are huge like what a rollicking start to your to your road to WrestleMania at a time when you desperately need one. Exactly. And I think the the thing is is that in previous years they even when they've uh, booked something interesting at the Rumble, the problem they've had is that they then don't know how to fill the TV time um, yeah. uh, uh, up to WrestleMania and including the pay-per-views. I mean, you know, we always talk about that fantastic Dean Ambrose Triple H match, but of course it didn't do Roman Reigns any favours because he was meant to be feuding with Triple H, but, but you know, basically Dean Ambrose went there and did a better job of feuding than Triple H than he well, was doing. That Yeah, I mean, that whole situation, because they wrote Roman off of TV, completely if you remember like yeah. he wasn't on raw for weeks while they built towards this dean ambrose triple h match got dean ambrose like even more popular than he was at the moment he got down to the final two in the rumple and then just brought and then had him lose and like that our whole situation was was so bizarre like we're going to push roman reigns by not pushing him and pushing dean ambrose instead who we're not pushing i mean it just just bizarre. But that's a particular risk this year because not only have you got all that TV time between the Rumble and Mania, which is um, it's quite a late Mania this year. I think it's like it might even be the second weekend of April. Um, it's certainly, it's it's sort of around the 7th or 8th. So it's a, it's, a, it's a late Mania this year. But also, you've got two dual-branded pay-per-views to get through between here and there which as well. Which is the way I was about to say. Like that's, that's, that's what really stands out to me is that if they're clever with this... You know, then they can do all kinds of interesting things in those two pay-per-views to kind of keep people guessing as to what you know as to what's going to happen. Because you got you got you know, presumably we know there's going to be a women's tag team elimination chamber now, but presumably we're going to have um, a men's singles chamber of some sort. Um, you would imagine. I mean, tradition has been to to decide the challenger for the other title. Yes, it? yes, but there's nothing to say that if they, for example, did take that title off Lesnar, that suddenly both those belts wouldn't be in play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, you've got that. And then, you've, of course, you've got Fastlane. Um, and if you think about things they've done in previous years, like people putting their shots up for grabs and stuff like that, like, you know, Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart is a is a nice example of that from 96. Um, Rey Mysterio did it against Randy Orton, as I remember. Um, Angle and Triple H did it, I think. Yep. Yeah, they asked 2002. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that that's where I mean that that's where they'd be wise. Not just because Seth has been, you know, he's had a hot year and he's got that momentum and stuff, but that that's another good reason to let him be the one to win the Rumble this year because you know with Dean, you've I mean that again you've automatically gotten into that, haven't you? You know they've just fired over the Intercontinental title, it would make perfect sense for Dean to then want to rob Seth of his WrestleMania title shot at the same time. You could easily imagine him going in Seth into doing it with the mental state they're in. 
you know, and it's nice, easy. And it doesn't even have to be Dean. I feel like maybe Drew would be a good a good call for that as well, given the history that those two have had over the last year. Or Finn, just because it's Finn. You know, so there's two or three options there um, where, you know, you think about anybody else in that position and the options aren't quite so easily leaned into. Um, it's also interesting how they might follow up with Braun because, you know, I mean, if again, it's another good reason to put the title on Finn. Like, if they put the title on Finn and then Braun comes along, he's like, well, that title shot was meant to be mine, so now I'm going to wrestle you for the title at, you know, fast lane or whatever. Um, and then you do the elimination chain. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, it's, it is interesting to ponder how they might use it. And, but this is, this is where it becomes so frustrating as a WWE fan today, isn't it? Is that they've got all this potential in the world to do something, you know, you know, they've got a system they could quite easily maximize to do something really interesting. You just know they're going to sort of fall back to the, to age old habits. Yeah, you do. And, and I think the thing is, is that, you know, when you when you look at you know when you look at those possibilities that you've just outlined. I mean, Braun Strowman is one that that stands out to me because they've they obviously written him off with this whole flip the limo stuff, like you know, basically putting up against Vincent Mar. Now we've seen that story a million times before. I don't know if we need to ever see it again. Having said that, if ever there was a wrestler that that could maybe benefit because of the the way that he he tends to get more over the more he is doing the anti-authority walking around you know throwing things down staircases and lifting up trucks and and all the rest of it that's the stuff that people like about Braun Strowman so if you put him against Vincent Martin and you have him destroy Vincent Martin's car every week or you know Vincent Martin turns him in a helicopter one day and he pushes that over or something ridiculous like but you know, you, you could you could suddenly find yourself in a situation where Braun Strowman isn't a title match at WrestleMania, but he's in, you know, a feature match against a Vince's champion of his choice. Like, you know, Vince's kind of, you know, bodyguard of his choice. I mean, that could be McIntyre. That could be... Could be Brock. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can just have a, you know, have Strowman go over in a eight to ten minute monster match at WrestleMania. Um outside of the title and that heats him up again nicely for, so that, you know, all this damage you've done to him by jobbing him out to Lesnar and having him, you know, call out the entire jobber locker room to beat Baron Corbin and all this weird stuff they've done with him. They can kind of draw a line under it and they can learn some lessons from people like Bray Wyatt, who they never ever properly rebuilt after the Cena thing. Um, yeah. I, I think, not having that title shot will do Braun Strowman good. I think, you know, the reports, you know, kind of you can be cynical about them, but I think it's certainly true that had he gone into the Rumble and just wrestled another one of those matches against Brock Lesnar, I think that was him more or less done. Um, and, and it kind of gives Finn a bit, his big opportunity, gives him the opportunity to prove to Vince that he can be one of those top guys. Um, and I as mean, you say, yeah, there's, I... a, there's, a, there's a storyline waiting for him. Maybe with Seth, maybe even Finn, if, even if Finn loses that match against us, then maybe he still wrestles Seth at Elimination Chamber or Fastly. For this, yeah, maybe. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit um, fatigued with the whole meta narrative of, you know, you're Vince McMahon, you don't believe I'm big enough, and I've not got it, what it takes to grab the brass ring and all that kind yeah. of bollocks. Oh, yeah, it's hard, hard not to be right. 
Yeah, it's it's just like, come on, let's like, can we not? We, we've seen this now for what feels like a decade running. Can we not just move past it and do something different? I mean, what what did feel maybe a little bit more promising was the was the conscious acknowledgement of the whole John Cena ruthless aggression. Time to for someone to step up, and you know, it, I guess maybe the the conscious awareness that they demonstrated of how Cena became a top guy maybe indicates that they've got one eye on, on, uh, you know, they're now searching for that person. I don't know. Um, but there's, there's, and it almost feels like we shouldn't be doing another show because, uh, talking about this because we've, you know, it's been so often the case so many times in, in recent years, mm-hmm. but there's no denying that the season that's ahead of us, the, the, the creative potential of it is all unlocked only if Brock Lesnar drops that championship. Because it's interesting to measure how things have changed in the last year. When you think back to where we were at Royal Rumble 2017 and we knew Brock was going to be champion heading into WrestleMania, no one doubted it. We knew Roman was probably going to be facing him at WrestleMania, no one doubted it. Um, and that year, last year, we were all just happy to get a contemporary star win the Royal Rumble. Like that was, And we got two, of course, Asuka and, and Shinsuke winning the Royal Rumble. And that felt it just so elating to see. Um, you know, given that Orton had won it the year before and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, but this year, that feels like... It's not that I want that. I expect that now because they did it last year. They showed a willingness that, they, you know, that's still not uh, something they've written off. So I expect them to do it again this year because nothing else would make much sense, though I can... I live in fear of a Cena win again. Um, <laughs> God. And... Um, so, you know, it's not good enough for us to get any other kind of Rumble winner. But on top of that now, it feels like it's also not good enough for that Rumble winner to go on and wrestle Brock Lesnar. I keep coming back in my head time and time again. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about Brock or The Undertaker or Triple H or any of these, you know, part-time guys, John Cena particularly. I keep coming back time and time again to what CM Punk said. He told Triple H in 2013 uh, or 2014 even. When he said, "You, do, I don't need to wrestle you at WrestleMania. You need to wrestle me," and that's the the perverse thing about all of this is that even though WWE believe they're doing someone a massive favor, you know they're probably thinking, "Oh, we're doing Finn a huge favor by giving him this match against Brock." No, 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 you're doing Brock a massive favor by giving him a match against Finn because it means people are going to care about a match Brock's in. Well, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? The situation we're in with, with Lesnar, with Cena. With, particularly with Cena, who is increasingly irrelevant. Orton as well. You know, The Undertaker, if he decides to try and hobble around the wrestling ring at WrestleMania this year, I'm not going to say he try, decides to wrestle because he's quite clear he can't do that anymore. No disrespect intended, but it's just true. You know, whoever it is, any of these vets, any of these part-time guys, it's now a case that the, the contemporary talent are doing them favours, even though we live in this perverse world where that's not how it's seen by the powers that be. I mean, seen as the seen as by far the, the I think even more so than Brock, um, and seen as it's something you've just written a column on. You know, Cena in particular feels like whoever wrestles him, they're doing him a favour really, because WrestleMania he's. It's a bit like what Jericho was recently, and it's one of the reasons why I'm very happy that Jericho signed with All Elite Wrestling, because it's it's actually done WWE a massive favor to get someone who kept coming back for WrestleManias out of their hair, because it felt like he was just causing issues rather than helping out, you know, because it would be, oh, we're going to bring Jericho back for Mania, shit, we need to figure out something for him to do, you know, and so you... you You'd, you'd have to, and I'm, I'm sure he'd, he'd disagree, but you, you, it was like you had to find someone to make Jericho relevant in that in that time period. And, you know, people aren't going to convince me otherwise. 
the same particularly with Cena this year. You know, like it feels like Cena's actually actively intruding in things rather than, you know, he's not helping out anymore. He's causing issues because now they've got to find something for Cena to do. And I continually live in horror that they that I and I I feared this for the last couple of years, that they'll go, Okay, well, Cena's gonna tie Austin's record for most rumble wins and go on to break Ric Flair's record for most world title wins. And that's gonna be the story of his WrestleMania season. Like, A, I should give a shit about that, and B, like that it, like Cena has any business winning anything in, in two thousand nineteen in WWE. Yeah, I mean I, I think the fact that Lesnar has said, apparently, that he wants to wrestle Balor because he thinks he has better matches against the smaller guys. Which is true. I mean, yeah, but it, it, even that is promising in a sense because it, it kind of shows that he understands that those matches that he'd been having, those short big man matches, are not really very valuable. Cena is a bit different in that I get the sense that having been in the mixed tag having been in that bizarre vaudeville sideshow thing with The Undertaker last year where we were sat in the crowd as a fan and eating popcorn and posing with fans for pictures and then, and, you know... And also, and also missing, pretty much missing WrestleMania 32 altogether. He was injured, wasn't he? Do you remember? He did, yes. only did a run-in with The Rock. Yeah, that's it. So having not had an inverted commas proper WrestleMania match since... Um, you know, Rusev. since he had Rusev, yeah. I get the sense that he is now, John Cena being John Cena, worrying about his inverted commas legacy. And even though he knows in his heart of hearts that he's now an actor and that's where his future is, I think he has come back because he wants to wrestle, as you said, like from a relevance point of view, one of these contemporary talents. Um, and I think he likes to vainly think of himself that he's going to be, you know, doing them a favour. Of course, we know from history, as this is what I wrote, what I wrote about uh, on the main page this week, is that he doesn't have a good history of putting people over in a way that, that gives them a kind of lasting rub. And that's what I fear, is that you're going to get Cena versus one of the contemporary generation people will get excited about it because they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. John will be the motivator to pull out his best and all, all this nonsense. And it, it won't end up being a particularly good match. And as always, Cena will singularly fail to uh, to elevate whoever he's wrestling with. And it will take up 20 or 25 minutes. It will be an inverted commas, epic match. And, you know, come the WrestleMania after Raw, he'll be gone. He won't back yeah. again till SummerSlam. And then the same old nonsense happens all over again. And I think that's what I'm anxious to avoid. I mean, I'd almost, I think at this point, I think as much as the Brock Lesnar thing has been one of the single most depressing experiences as a wrestling fan I think I've had, I would take a Lesnar title match over Cena being on the main card. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm there quite yet, but I can certainly understand why someone would be. It's, it's yeah, I mean, he's... He's become um, just, I mean, the stuff with Corbin was like so beyond acceptable um, and, and the way that he destroyed that career and, and the, whether it's intentional or not, you know, people get caught up on, you know, you know, it's it, whether, whether or not someone means to, do it. it doesn't matter whether someone means to do it. What matters is the patterns there time and time again. And one of, 
you know, even if you accept the argument that Cena is one of the greatest of all time, which I still find an absolutely preposterous proposition, quite honestly. Indeed. But even if even if you do agree with that, you know, you you can't feasibly sit there and present evidence to convincingly argue that he was ever great at elevating all the talents he wrestled with, because his career is littered with examples where he failed to do so, where he categorically failed to do so, and where wrestling scene was for the talent in question, actively damaging for their career, whether it's because it put them back, whether it's because it stalled their progress, whether it, whether it's because people are talking about Cena instead of them. You know, I mean, you're talking about someone who, for his entire run on top, crowds only ever chanted for him. You know, and I mean, that's that's not entirely down to him. But this is, and this is this is something that. Um, I pointed out when when Seth started to wrestle him, uh, and when when I mean names names escape me now. I think maybe Owens did it a few times, um, but there, there was a difference when this this current generation came through because when they'd wrestle Cena and this, the crowd would start chanting "Let's go Cena, Cena sucks," they would stop and actively try and get the crowd to notice them. Like I, I can't remember which match it is, but there's a moment in in a match he has with Seth where Seth actively stops. And he interacts with the crowd as they start chanting, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. And it gets them chanting about him as well. You know, and that was why he stayed on top so long. It was because the the fans just kind of honed in around him as this this heat magnet, for lack of a better expression. You know, and so what's what the fans always say is the one thing that you absolutely under no circumstances want to happen in wrestling is for people to not react to you. And for 10 years or however long it was you want to say he was on top for, Whoever seen wrestled, nobody reacted to the guy who was wrestling. They only ever reacted to him. And he did nothing to get them to react to the guy he was wrestling with either. You know, he was quite happy to sit there with that, that smirk on his face as people chanted, let's go Cena, Cena sucks all the time. And of course he's going to be because it keeps the spotlight on him. And I'm not, I'm not, listen, I don't know the guy, don't know his thoughts, don't know anything about backstage. I'm not meant to be sort of, you know, hurling trash his way or anything like that. I'm just speaking empirically. You know, and and uh, I, it, it's it's there is so much empirical evidence to demonstrate that Cena was poor at elevating the people that he worked with, and was quite content being poor at elevating the people he worked with for a long period of time. That, as far as I'm concerned, that alone should preclude him from any kind of greatest of all time discussions. That's before you even get into the litany. He's got one stinker for every great match he's ever had, if not more. Um, yeah, many more, I would say, and and not many great matches either. Um, I mean, to, I mean, I guess you could you could debate the semantics of the word great, but um, you know, I mean, even even this whole, I mean, the whole kind of sixteen-time world champion thing is is just a, a nothing statement anyway that drives me mad. Um, but even that, like, how many of his title reigns were actually like an hour? Like, there was one that was about an hour long, and there was one that was like there was about five that were about a day long. You know, so even that is kind of a misleading statistic. Even if you put value in that, when you go back and you look at the the qualitative value of those championship reigns, um, you know, a lot of them were very, very short lived and and barely. I mean, he must have held the title three times in his feud with Orton in two thousand and nine because they batted it back and forth that much. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so I th- I think you know that is the thing is that. Lesnar and Cena are the kind of are two jigsaw pieces in that mania puzzle that I think have to be very, very carefully placed. Now, of course, we'd probably rather they weren't placed at all, but it's inevitable that they will be. So, you know, I I just hope that they choose wisely. 
or as wisely as they ultimately, possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, the sign that, that Cena adds very little anymore, or at least nothing positive, like, imagine if on Raw this last week, Finn had actually beaten Roman Reigns instead of John Cena, if Roman Reigns was healthy and able to still wrestle. If that had been the case, Twitter wouldn't have been talking about how John Cena was a great guy to, you know, talk about and put over this other talent. They'd be talking about how the company suddenly must see something in Finn to have him beat Roman Reigns. People would have been talking about Finn, not about the guy he defeated. Um, whenever John Cena's involved, it becomes about John Cena and not whoever's beating him or, or whatever. You know, and and I think that that's symptomatic, actually, of, of uh, just the anomaly that he's become. Uh, whereas, it, and I take that as a sign that it's a much bigger deal these days to beat a Roman Reigns than it is to beat a John Cena, quite honestly. Because, uh, you know, beating John Cena just doesn't really feel like it matters anymore because it doesn't feel like he matters anymore. I mean, I was quite surprised in a way that he, you know, he materialised and started showing up as regularly as he had been recently i i wasn't expecting that like after after sort of you know SummerSlam passed and he wasn't around and survivor series passed and he wasn't around like granted he worked one of those foreign shows but but he he just hadn't been around it was kind of like maybe we would actually see him this time around and as soon as new year turns up oh no here he is with stupid hair and you know, people getting impressed because he let Becky Lynch talk some trash to him. You know, people get impressed because, you know, he got on a mic and said, well done, Finn Balor, for beating me. I believe you can beat Brock Lesnar. It's like people are so easily pleased. My God. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, let's um, let's let's kind of look a little bit more closely then at, at, at kind of at Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose and Bobby Lashley and what's been going on there. Um, now, I can only assume the decision to put that belt on Bobby Lashley um, is to either, you know, sort of bring Dean and Seth back together because, of course, like Seth had run out of rematches at that point, And so they need a reason for them to be kind of, you know, still... no more automatic rematches. Uh, so so they need a reason for them to be in the same sort of ecosystem in a way um, and, and continue the kind of the fuse. Maybe they want that to last kind of through the rumble. And that's kind of why they've done that. Like, you know, th their squabbling is essentially squabbling. It makes it sound a bit petty, doesn't it? Like <laughs> their, um, their feuding is what allowed Lashley to be able to actually divide and conquer. Um, and maybe at a later date, they, you know, they drop that belt back to one or the other of them. Um, uh, or maybe it's a sign that, you know, Dean will move on to feuding with Lashley or Seth will move on to feuding with Lashley. Of course, you know, him and Seth were brawling, weren't they, to open Raw the other week. Um, I, I don't know. It's funny I mean, because if you assume... Can, can I just, if I could just jump in, Mav, there cool. um, and say that, you know, you mentioned Finn's one-night story this week. Seth had a one-night story the week before. You know, if they can, if they can master that, like if if they can, you know, find a way to put a spotlight on another contemporary guy every other week and give them that kind of night long story, well, that's a great method to create um, relatively engaging TV. Um, not necessarily, you know, you don't have to go overboard with it, but just just finding that way to put a bit of a spotlight on, you know, a different top character of of, of this generation, Seth one week, Finn another, you know, whether it's Drew the week after or whatever. And not, I'm not talking about 50-50 booking. I mean, giving someone, 
you know, in the context of whatever arc or whatever feud they're involved in, an opportunity to carry Monday Night Raw for that week, I think would be would be great for people. And I think well, what got Seth hot, you know, earlier in 2018, it was it was the Gauntlet match, wasn't it? Like that was yeah. that was such a a key yeah. moment for him as a as a one night story. And so, like they they can have a huge um, you know a, a huge impact. I mean, I always remember, of course, Dean Ambrose. You know, playing with house money because he got his, his, you know, his way into the title um, picture in uh, 2015. Like that was that was that was brilliantly done as well. And and I think yeah, if they can if they can do that um, a little more often, then um, yeah, I mean, I do think that TV's got more engaging. It's like they're, they're still clearly working out the you know the limits of what they want to do, um, and not everything they've done has hit. But at least, you know, with all these televised title matches, with all these number one contenders matches, what has has largely gone, which I think was the biggest problem, was just the fact that nothing on TV matters. Yeah. It was tuning in every week to watch a six man tag with the riot squad in or a nor Elias singing and then somebody interrupting him and the same thing happening over and over again and or Braun Strowman flips something over. I think at least they've captured the essence of urgency a little bit better. And, and you know, that, that I know it's a crude comparison, but that kind of anything could happen week to week was what made the Attitude Era, you know, um, a strong period for the for the business. And to go back even further, because, you know, what would a pond be with you and I if we didn't mention you, Jen? Um that was a mark of new gen raw as well was was regular title matches on tv you know regular that would always be preceded with matches to determine who's going to wrestle for the title like one very early example in night three when sean had had been forced to um you know when he was suspended and forced to drop the ic titles they had a battle royal one week and the last two guys who happened to be ramon and martel then wrestled for the title the following week you know, and it's just like, just, and it's a great battle royal and it's a great title match, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that we've actually seen quite a lot of since the um, brand extension, the second brand extension. SmackDown did it a lot in the formative days. It kind of teetered off over the last year, year and a half, but it's nice to see it coming back again because even though it's an easy, it's an easy out, you know, and you could say it's pretty lazy writing, like you say, at least it feels urgent and at least it feels like, you know what what you're watching whatever the outcome of that is going to have an impact on something um and particularly around this time of year you know when they're heading towards wrestlemania uh that's 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 a good sign i think this is going to be the test though right because what i want to see is is a a better ability to maintain you know narrative thrust and narrative momentum between pay-per-view and WrestleMania, arguably, the WrestleMania season is one of the toughest times to do that. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, because usually when it comes to WrestleMania, like you could lose count of the number of times, you know, there'll be a random singles match on TV and someone like Cole will go, oh, they're jostling for position on the road to WrestleMania. Like that's a, a, like, that is in any way a meaningful statement. Like that doesn't mean anything. Um, in an attempt to try and con you into thinking that the match you're watching that doesn't matter matters. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they strike up, you know, these these sort of um, balances and stuff uh, this this year. It's such a crucial time. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, it, it feels like there's there's a bit of pressure on them now with AEW suddenly like the clever timing on their part to announce 
you know, the formation of their their company and stuff, and and obviously NJPW coming off another hot Wrestle Kingdom and stuff. Like it feels like the pressure is on WWE because of all of these circumstances conflating AEW propping up Roman Reigns having to go, you know, on on an extended leave of absence, general fan sentiment and ratings being in the absolute toilet. Uh, the idea that there's an opening for someone to step up and, and seize the opportunity to to become a top guy, you know, it, it feels like the pressure's on them to really pull something out this year. Yeah, I would agree, um, and, and I think when you when you look at the road to WrestleMania, I think the two pay per views is a clever move because it does allow them some narrative freedom, which perhaps they haven't had in the past. Like I always used to remember, even in the you know, but it comes the good old days. Though that six weeks from whatever the February pay per view was to WrestleMania used to be, you know, pretty pretty lame a lot of the time because of course they were desperate to avoid injuries. So no one that's going to be on the show was working any kind of meaningful matches. Um, yeah, and and I mean two thousand and nine, the build to WrestleMania two thousand nine. As far as I can remember, is is one of the better examples of recent years because obviously the Orton Triple H thing was red hot. You know, you had built towards Sean and the Undertaker. Jericho was doing his thing with the Legends that was uh, that was entertaining. But when you go back and you look at that now, even though it's one of the better examples, it still all felt very gimmicked, right? Like it's that it was segmented TV to the max in terms of what segment, what creative segment can we have Triple H and Dalton do this week? Oh, it's it's Home Invasion Week, you know, or it's Contract Signing Week, or it's Orton Beats Down the Family Week. Or it's, you know, um, and- the other example, of course, is Daniel Bryan in 2014, and the thing with that was they peaked two weeks before the show. Yeah, <laughs> so, so then they had to kind of like, oh, hang on a minute, Which, we've, we've, we've taken this to about the, the hottest it can get, uh, now yeah. what? And I seem to recall that that felt very similar the following year as well in in the build to WrestleMania 31. It felt like they ran out of ideas a couple of weeks too soon. Um, And maybe they just need to, I mean, you and I have have held, I know I I certainly still feel this way, that that a a pay-per-view between the Rumble and Mania is a bit weird anyway because it just causes issues. Yes. Um, You could maybe get away with Elimination Chamber because you, you want to set that second world title match up. Um, but generally speaking, I'd, I'd be all in favour for them just scrapping a pay-per-view entirely. Or even, you know, you've got to make one an all-women's pay-per-view. Evolution was a great success. Give them their own pay-per-view on the road to WrestleMania. You know, have one for the guys, one for the girls. I don't know. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to it. I'm perhaps a little more cynical from the sounds of it than, than you might be. Like, I, I guess I'm so invested in this story with Seth and the idea of him winning a Rumble and, and headlining Mania. Um, and I and I think one of the reasons why they've gone back to the well over the last decade so much with having a Cena win or a Norton win in the most bizarre times is because they'll look at when Sheamus won in 2012, when Del Rio won in 2011, when, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when uh, Reigns won in 15, when Nakamura won in last year. And they're going to go, well, you know, these, these new guys never follow through, when in actual fact it's because they weren't given any decent TV even Nakamura wasn't given any decent TV on the back of the Rumble win. I said this last year. You know, they need to master the ability to give a contemporary talent that big Rumble victory and then be able to follow it up with a quality storyline mm. that keeps the character growing and engaged on the path towards but their title. This is where Seth is in a good position. Because what did Austin have in 2001? 
You know, he had a bitter, bitter Very, feud yeah. with Triple H going on at the time. So, yeah, yeah. Triple H almost stopped him from winning the Rumble by attacking him on the ramp. Austin had cost Triple H a title match earlier that night against Kurt Angle. And, of course, she got three stages of hell uh, at No Way Out. Um, that put a cap on that feud. Triple H was able to win the match. And then Austin went off to fight The Rock at WrestleMania. Now, if you could replicate that with Seth and Dean, you know, have Dean win a... A, a brutal match at, at Fastlane, say, but Seth still got his title shot and he goes on having, you know, sort of, a, you know, having closed off that chapter of the Ambrose-Rollins rivalry or whatever, or you could have Rollins beat Ambrose in that scenario, um, as long as it didn't kind of, you know, leave Dean with nothing to do at WrestleMania. You, you kind of then, you, you then kind of avoid that thing where everyone's very elated because Seth's won the Rumble, but then he's got nothing to do. So I think... Seth's in a better position than Nakamura was because Nakamura's win, let's be fair, came out of absolutely nowhere. Like nobody was expecting that. And it was great for that. But also at the same time, it was kind of like, oh, I mean, if you look at Del Rio again, like he was somebody who, you know, had been clearly a very favored um, up and coming guy, but you didn't quite think he'd win the first 40 man rumble. And then Seamus, I mean, I think he was always, well. yeah. yeah, it was always like a bit of a, because that was the year Jericho came back and it was meant to be like the, the year Jericho finally won it. And then they pulled the swerve and it wasn't a very good swerve. It felt, I mean, props to my mate who predicted Seamus winning that year. And <laughs> when he predicted it, I was like, what are you mad? That makes like, I, I totally didn't get it. And I didn't get it when he won it. And it's, I mean, 2012 is a very, very weird Royal Rumble match anyway when you go back and watch it. It's only made weirder by the fact that Sheamus wins, made weirder still by the fact that him and Jericho have have their match within a match trope uh. at the end of it as well. And it's just all like, what's going on? That's not with the like million part-timers and Michael Cole and Booker T and all that stuff, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, terrible. It's, it's insane. Um, although, to be fair, one of Cody's best nights in the company, like he's, his performance that year is just out of this world good and Orton as well to be fair is is because that I mean 2012 you know you could have had Orton win that one quite comfortably obviously he didn't factor into plans at the time but you could have had Orton win that quite comfortably he comes out as a house of fire as like the old school for anyway I'm getting sidetracked I mean, being, I, mean I think I think the Nakamura win last year I think you're spot on and I think the the inability to follow up follow it up with anything interesting uh betrayed the fact that and the, 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 the sort of the suddenness of his win betrayed the fact that it was a victory that to me was arrived at simply because of the prospect of AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura having a reputation that preceded it rather than because they had a great idea for a story or they had a great idea for two characters. Um, and I remember thinking last year that that was going to be the challenge that Nakamura and AJ faced was that everybody was excited to see it, not necessarily because of either one of them being on a red hot streak, not necessarily because the two characters were, were particularly interesting just because they'd had a great match before. And it was one, one great match before in another company. And it all felt like a bit of a novelty to me. And so I think what you were saying about Seth being in a great position in terms of follow-up, I think is also applies to why he's in a great position to be a favorite to win it this year, because it feels like it fits in with a much wider narrative arc that makes sense. It comes at the end of a year where, granted, it may have cooled off towards the back end, but he was still wrestling main events. He was still headlining Raw. He was still centerpiece of the show. Uh, and more to the point, his 2018 in general was a, was a career year for him and a breakout career year for him. 
So it feels very much like an opportune moment for him to win in a way it didn't for, as you say, with, with Del Rio, with Sheamus, with, with Nakamura. Um, and so he could, he could, and with Reigns, of course, it was kind of all a bit forced. Um, whereas this feels organic and it feels like it makes sense. And I'm not saying he's the only candidate, you know, because I know people are going to be rolling their eyes to say, oh, Plan would say that. But I genuinely, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to come up with one who would feel more more of a natural fit to win it this year than him. I mean, I feel like uh, he's obviously the overwhelming favourite, and for good reason. Um, and I think, you know, more than anything else, if we go outside of kayfabe, he deserves it. I don't, I mean, let's, 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 let's not let's not use that chant, but but he deserves it. Um, <laughs> his his work has has obviously been you know, phenomenal for six or seven years straight. Um, and I've always been a big believer that the Royal Rumble is something um, which should feel like a crowning glory, you know. And I, I think the best analogy I can think of is that Seth is in a 1994 Bret Hart type of place. Like, he's been someone that's had the title. He's he's kind of one of the de facto top guys. But, but you know, he kind of... It'd be nice to see him have a WrestleMania 10. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, I, I, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I was thinking more along the lines of uh, Sean in '95 or Benoit in '04. Um, it may just be my, my, you know, my personal bias coming into it, but I feel like there's a sense of delayed recognition involved, which is why I feel so much like he should win it, because uh, he has done, he's done amazing work for so many years in the company and has been on on the verge so many times. And yeah, it feels like even when he was, you know, top of the top of the heap in 2015 and carried that world championship and stuff, it felt like he was always just holding holding that title ready for Reigns to come along and take it off of him. Like it felt like he was just warming it up for Roman. Um, and so I, 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 maybe it's just me, but but I, I can certainly see where you're coming from. I come it from a slightly different angle, but I think ultimately we both want to see. It feels like it would be the first Royal Rumble match in such a long time. That's not just about contemporary talent winning it it would feel like the first royal rumble in a very long time where the timing for the person winning it was just perfect for it to be a genuine career a memorable career milestone and a memorable version of the match a memorable memorable win uh, a memorable because even i mean you know you and i are both big fans of 2013 even though cena wins it we're both you know big fans of 2014 even though batista wins it but even those you know, because of the guys who win it, they're great. You know, I, I mean, 2013 is probably my second favourite ever. Like, that's how much I like it. But it doesn't feel like a classic. Um, and I think the last classic was 2009. So you're talking a 10-year period where it felt like the timing was right, the, the winner was right, the performance was right. You know, 10 years is a long, mm. long time in wrestling. And, and I think... Um, yeah, it feels like this would be the first time in a very, very long time where a contemporary guy winning it would make it a, not just a, you know not just a, a breath of fresh air like last year, but a genuine classic version of the match. And I know, I mean, by the way, huge fan of 2018. I know Doc is as well and stuff, but I think what it lacks is that historical follow-up to really make it stand out as, a, as not just a great version of the match, but a, a useful version of the match as well, I suppose. Here's the thing, though, and, and then you pointed this out, very very well um a couple of weeks ago i think 13 if Ziggler wins it's a classic yeah 
14 if Brian wins, it's a classic. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go back further. You know, I'm actually fond of 10. I know not a lot of people are, but I'm quite fond of it. But imagine if CM Punk doing his Sermon on the Mount every time he eliminates somebody. Imagine yep. if he did that all the way. The whole way through. The yeah. whole way through. Like, you're talking about CM Punk being that made main eventer two years before it happens. You know, I, I think you, like just boggles my mind that the edge wins that royal rumble because it's like you know they wanted to do they wanted to reprise the whole scene and no one expects him to be there nonsense from from 2008 so i the irony was and the irony was everyone expected it (laughs) yeah exactly and then uh, yeah if you if you look at um yeah so you you look back through it 16 if dean ambrose wins that my god because that's a fantastic royal rumble match like i i'm you know the whole storyline going in i'm a it may be on the pond. It was the last time that, you know, that, that we were, I don't know, innocently excited about something. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it was oh, like absolutely. Roman yeah. Reigns had that storyline, the one against all. And yeah, it was a bit of a retread of, you know, maybe Austin in 98 or various other things. But, but, you know, it was like, they he was putting the title up for grabs. It was the first time since, you know, 92 that the winner won the title and it felt genuinely, exciting and imagine if yeah like if Dean Ambrose had won in that spot I mean because you could still have gone with yeah with with Reigns eventually but it would have just livened the whole thing up well that's the thing it's it's and that's what I tried to point out a couple of weeks ago I for those who aren't aware I wrote um, a plan and plan I do plan and planned blog posts on my Facebook page uh, exclusive to my Facebook so go check them out and I wrote about you know what happens if you and I tweeted about it as well incidentally what happens if you switch the winners in these years? And one of the things I wrote about was in the blog post was that you don't even have to really stray too far away from the kind of the storylines and the WrestleManias that they did. You could have very easily still gotten to the same destinations while having, you know, Ambrose winning 16, Ziggly winning. Th- and by the way, you know, obviously I'm doing my top 60, you know, non-winning performances of all time in the Rumble. And of course, Ziggler doesn't win, so he is he's eligible for inclusion. Um, and when I was watching 2013, like his performance that year, you talked about Orton's performance in 2009 being being really commanding and, and imperious. I think you could say the same about Ziggler in 2013, because what struck me when I watched it for research in the last few days was he, he's like a completely different performer from the guy you see now. He's so confident and self-assured without all the kind of the haphazard kind of sense of, of trying too hard that he has now. He just... He looks like someone who is authoritative in the in his performance in the ring and, and who should have absolutely have won that year. Um, and it makes all of these Royal Rumbles so bittersweet. Bray Wyatt, I mean, God above, 2017, you know, is perhaps the prime example in the sense that you think about where they went after the Rumble, you know, with Bray Wyatt not winning the Rumble, but then winning the title to lose the title to Orton, who won the Rumble. You know, like the whole thing was, you could have easily have had Bray Wyatt win the Rumble, chase Orton into WrestleMania. You had him lose anyway, if you want to. I mean, it (sighs) didn't make any sense at the time. It wouldn't wouldn't have done anyway. But, you know, the point being, Bray Wyatt would have won the Royal Rumble and you'd have got to the same destination. And, and, And it's things like, it makes me wonder whether WWE actually put any stock in it because it's things like winning a Royal Rumble match that can help solidify, as cliche as it sounds, can help solidify a career uh, and mark someone out as being a top star in the company. You know, so if Ziggler had won in 2013, you'd have been coming off the back of a feud with Cena and stuff. 
with the Money in the Bank briefcase, you'd have been absolutely under no doubt he was the top guy in the company. Same with Ambrose in 16, Wyatt in 17, you know, so on and so forth, Brian in 14. Um, and so it feels like Seth would benefit from a big win. I mean, any contemporary star would. Uh, but we're using him as the example, of course. So Seth would benefit, his career would benefit, and he would be marked out as an undeniably a top guy pretty much for the rest of his career if he wins a Royal Rumble match because wins like that matter. I mean, Moments I, like that in careers matter. I mean, I actually think if you look at 15 and the obvious backlash that was willing to be there against Reigns, you know, Wyatt could have won that one. I mean, he was the kind of star of the match. Like, you know, Wyatt had been... You know, through 2014, he had obviously, like, come out on top in a feud with the Shield. He had, um, you know, pushed John Cena to the limit, although, unfortunately, as all John Cena feuds, it kind of ended with him, I don't know, being locked away in a box or whatever the hell it was. Um, but, but, you know, like, Bray Wyatt's 2014 was was very, very good. And, you know, if he'd won a Rumble at the start of 15, I, I think you're looking at a very different Bray Wyatt career. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about timing, isn't it? It's about taking someone who's on that verge of really breaking through the glass ceiling, to use the cliche, um, and and giving them that push. Uh, and I've said this on the show before. You know, WWE talk about how the guys just don't want it anymore. But in fact, they do. And they're hungry. And they've proven it. And they've proven capable. The problem is they then haven't had the support of the company to, to take them through to that final step of becoming a big name. They haven't had the company commit to them, which is needed. You cannot become an Austin on your own. You need the company to back you. Like Austin wouldn't have got to where he was if the company didn't back him, didn't put their all in supporting him. Um, Same with with any top guy, whether it's The Rock, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, doesn't matter. You know, so and it and it's moments like winning a Royal Rumble match that show fans the company is backing you. So it's about timing and it's about that demonstration, it's about that big career moment, and, and all of these things are things that someone of this generation more than deserves, and I think Seth arguably more so than anybody. He seems ironically like a safe bet that would prove WWE are willing to take risks in a really weird way. And I, and I think like, this is another thing where Vince, Vince's presence and his I don't know, his growing stubbornness in his conviction that you know he has to keep going back to the well you know because of where they were at WrestleMania 26 27 28 and it's like the evidence has mounted that that most people in the company recognize that they've got one of the most exceptionally talented rosters they've ever had you know if you if you take the depth on the two NXTs and 205, as well as Raw and SmackDown, you have the deepest roster they've ever had. Uh, you know, people talk about 92, people talk about um, 2002. You know, what we've got now eclipses that. Absolutely. And, you know, th- what's bizarre is that he, you know, is that he increasingly has, 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 become the out of touch figure he was accused of being way back in the day when he probably wasn't but now he seems to conform to every single Vince cliche I mean even there's a report about why the original Lesnar Balor um, match which was supposed to be happening this time last year got nixed is oh he didn't didn't believe Balor was over he didn't believe Balor was 
was in that position or good enough or on that level. And it's, it's, you know, it's a sad state of affairs. And I think I even, somebody even responded to my column last week and said that, oh, Triple H actually come out and said that he'd want Raw to be two hours. And that just tells you, doesn't it? Like, you know, if, 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 if even Triple H has started to say these things, you know, out in, out in the public or out in the world, then it, it really does just show you that there's only one person holding the holding the company's kind of creative direction back, and it's the person that you know is rewriting Raw two minutes before it's due on air. Yeah, which is a practice they've actively mocked WCW for doing in so many documentaries and talking heads and and DVDs in the past. You know, they they they're constantly you know putting out the criticisms of how chaotic WCW was by the time it. It closed, and the irony is that a lot of what people talk about are things that happen in we hear happening in WWE today. Um, and you know, it's the, the I'm almost hesitant to mention this because it's it's so clearly a, a possibly sort of bullshit article. But there's there's news and rumors now doing the rounds online that uh, WWE are willing to uh, you know double the offer of, of other companies to keep talents on and whatnot. There's rumors that Revival have asked for their release. There's rumors now that Ziggler is on his way out and stuff. Obviously, all of this stemming from AEW. And a lot of this kind of thing feels a little bit like wish fulfillment on the part of the IWC. So you sort of cautiously kind of like, oh, I don't know if it's true or not. But if it is true, then it's then it's perfectly indicative of, of, of what Vince seems to have become, which is not the guy who bet the house on WrestleMania back in 1987, uh, sorry, 1980, yeah, 87, 88? No, it would have been 85 or 84. 85. WrestleMania oh, 1, yeah, 85, yeah. 85, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, he's not that Vince anymore. You know, he's not the Vince that decided to revolutionise the industry anymore. He's the Vince who's who's seemingly frightened of it changing. Um because if that is true and they are just offering money to keep people on, then essentially what they're doing is is bribing their way to excusing continuing mediocrity because it would be the sign of a company that knows it can and should do better uh, but absolutely refuses to put the effort in. So it's just going to sign people and sutton them so other, other companies can't use them and, and can't let them fulfill their you know their potential. It's a, it's a sign of, of a craven attitude. And the frustrating thing is it's totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. They act like, you know, if, if they had um, Seth and Finn in the main event of WrestleMania, they'll be out of business in six months. And it's just it's just ridiculously preposterous. When you consider where they were in 95, like, you know, go. it's like they forgot where they were in 95. You know, and it's, it's even if it got that bad, that it would take year, it'd take a good couple of years of, of consistent failure for them to get to that point. And if they, the, the, the great irony of it all is if they've waged, waded through so much of this shit over the last three years, what the fuck are you afraid of doing worse? Well, quite. I mean, I, I just, I, I just think, you know, like, you know, they are a billion dollar company, like taking a few risks with new main event talents is not going to change that and in fact ironically not taking any risks and putting out this god-awful product from you know august to december was exactly was exactly what suddenly prompted them to finally take some risks again so it just shows that you know being risk averse does not pay off and this and this is this is the time to do it now this is the perfect opportunity 
to do it now. History is screaming at them to take that huge leap, not a baby step, not a cautious kind of, of inch forward, but to leap headlong, to hurtle headlong into the future. Don't even have Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Tell him to stay at home. You know, obviously they won't do because they pay out the air for him to not work. But, you know, same with Cena and stuff. Have an awful time at WrestleMania. Just do it. Just do it once. History's screaming at you to do it. They won't do, of course. But at the very least, maybe we can get a WrestleMania season that absolutely firmly puts an emphasis entirely on. Like, if we if we could get two full-timer, or, or let's say four, including the two women's titles as well, and two world titles, so four full, full-timer main event championship matches at WrestleMania this year, then they can have Brock Lesnar wrestle whatever 30-minute match he wants to on the undercard. I've seen wrestle whatever 30-minute match he wants to on the undercard. If those, if we got that, four full-time exclusive championship matches headlining WrestleMania this year, and given the opportunity to really... Because that's the other thing, right? It's one thing to book an all-full-timer world title match. It's another thing to book an all-full-timer world title match, then at WrestleMania have it last 18 seconds. You know, like, they've got to be given the platform to do what they do best, which is wrestle great matches, this this particular crop of talent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've sort of talked about Seth and, and Finn a lot, but you're also, you know, you've got Braun in there. We mentioned Tim. You've got Drew in there. Mustafa Ali is someone who's crying out for a great WrestleMania season and, and is, is a, the kind of the perfect kind of guy to have that mid-card match, uh, you know, that Jericho Christian match. Um, you know, like he's got Jericho Christian WrestleMania 20 written all over him if you give him the right dance partner against maybe an Almas or someone like that at, at WrestleMania. Because this is the thing, like I'd love to see them just come out with a, a litany of kind of, you know, story-driven mid-card matches that don't even have to go any longer than six or seven minutes on the night, but that have a little bit of story about them and a little bit of, of an opportunity to do something cool on the night, you know, and just look, do an old-school Mania, like that, like do a WrestleMania 6 where there's like 40-odd matches on there and they're all about five minutes long, but just, you know, give people that little... WrestleMania 3, like picture-perfect card construction, loads of matches on there, most of them are short, but they maximize their minutes because they have that that narrative behind them, that character behind them. I'd love something like that this year. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, they they have an opportunity now to to put together a WrestleMania that everybody likes. You know, yeah. and they've been close to that. You know, that like the first hour last year, or maybe even the first hour and a half. Um, you know, there there have been sections of yeah, the WrestleMania up until the end of the Triple H. Um, Rollins match the year before there have been they, they put together portions of Wrestlemania's but they haven't since 13 and 31 they haven't well put together you know a Wrestlemania I and mean, I know we can talk about the other problems that you know the um the fact that they suddenly started making them seven hours long and so on and so forth but <laughs> but um but leaving all of that aside they have an opportunity this year to put together a WrestleMania that everybody likes. They really do. Um, and even if, you know, so if you look, if you're looking at, you know, at Seth Rollins challenging for the universal title, if you're looking at, you know, at Daniel Bryan as, as, as world heavyweight champion with a, a good young dance partner, whether that's Ali or Ormas or um, whoever it happens to be, you know, AJ Styles and some sort of prominent mid card 
you know, in the Jericho position, if you like, just having a prominent mid-card match with somebody. Um, yeah, they've got so much possibility. You know, maybe they can have elsewhere, you know, kind of something where there's a number one contenders match with Finn Balor and, um, you know, and all these kind of talented guys, you know, in, a, in some sort of multi-man scenario, they've got, they've got tag belts, they've got the women in a stronger position than ever. They have an opportunity to do something special if they choose to take it. It feels like we say that every year. I mean, I mean, the... well, I mean, I've not said that in years. Like, <laughs> la, la, I, I could not have been more cynical about WrestleMania last year or the year before or the year before that or the year before that or even 31 i did not feel the build to at all and it surprised me on the night because i I thought it'd be terrible and then suddenly it was quite good but quite good the best ever um uh yeah i won't get into that with you right now (laughs) but uh it was like certainly this year i feel like this new era thing although you can be cynical about it there has been demonstrable improvements and if that is followed up with a strong Royal Rumble um, two good pay-per-views afterwards and a road to WrestleMania which isn't just you know disappointment after disappointment or or just kind of water treading after water treading um, and as you say at this you know critical time with AEW floating in the distance and stuff um I think they have an opportunity to do something really good. And that starts with, you know, that starts with what they're doing with, with Seth, which seems to be certainly kind of building towards that narrative, what they're doing with Balor, like, you know, giving him an opportunity, improving this idea about fresh talent. Like, you know, they've got, you know, CN, like pinning Rey Mysterio on, in, in the middle of the ring and, and saying, look, I'm going on to win the Rumble now. You know, this Mustafa Ali, Samoa Joe thing has, has got huge I mean, potential. Uh, yeah, exactly. Can I just say, whoever decided to put Ali and Joe together, like, oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that person arrays. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, you mentioned sort of previous WrestleManias. I've found that the pattern is the first two and a half hours are great. I think there's genuinely something in that that, that backs up what we always say about shorter pay per views and the perfect running time being about two and a half hours, incidentally. Um, but like, thirty two is great up until the up until after the women's triple threat. You know, 34 was really good up until after the Triple H match. 35 was was pretty good all the way up to um, after the uh, uh, intergender match. The issue they get is that they they get to that sort of two and a half hour mark and suddenly there's like a big road bump in front of them and they can't get over it because I think it's at that point, you know, where they start to roll out the Brock Lesnar matches and they start to roll out all the stuff that people perhaps aren't as interested in. And I thought that AJ Nakamura last year was like the perfect kind of match to actually get them past that point. It turned out otherwise because they didn't wrestle the kind of match that fans, I think, had gotten their hopes up uh, for seeing. Um, but that's, I think that's going to be the big test this year. Is is And that's going to continue to be the big test for WrestleMania. Is How do you get, if they want to carry on it being as long as it is, how do you get past that two-and-a-half-hour point? Um, you know, because if, if like... Like if 30, oh God, I, we're so deep now that I always keep getting my numbers mixed up. But if 30, so 32, 33 uh, and 34, because it's 35 this year, of course. So 32, 33, 34. If they were all just the first two and a half hours, if the if the second halves of those shows didn't exist, all of those would be tremendous WrestleManias. Genuinely very, very good WrestleManias. Um, 
So they've got to try and figure out how to get past that two and a half hour point. I still think that there's 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 something in splitting the event across two days, which NJPW have announced they're doing with Wrestle Kingdom next year, and I think that that's a sensible idea, to be quite honest. Um, not least of all because we live in an age where fans can pick and choose what they want to watch anyway, so why not do that to Wrestle Well, well I mean, here's the thing. They've already got TakeOver, you know, uh, the night before. Um, so, I mean, really, WrestleMania for a long time has been a kind of, you know, a festival, really. Um, you know, yeah, with access and, and all the rest of it. So actually, what you you know, what they could do is have, you know, two three hour cards, take over the night before that, Hall of Fame the night before that. Yeah. Um, you know, and make a week of it. Show some of the access stuff. Have the NXT UK guys do something. You know, like have. Well, you, well I mean, they've got know. that. They've got that world and worlds collide tournament this year, haven't they? Which yes. is another thing where they've got the which I really really like the idea of. Um, you know, and as and as those kind of peripheral brands continue to develop and and they get more sort of NXTs in in foreign climes and stuff, then that's, you know, that would be a great sort of tradition to start expanding on and stuff. So absolutely, you could take WrestleMania. We can almost do it literally. And I know that kind of sounds hypocritical coming from us, as people who believe in less is more. But the point is, you know, if if we live in an age of excess, they're showing no signs of going back. So you've got to try and adjust to accommodate that as best you can. And if you're going to go for more is more, make con us into thinking that we're getting less you know by by divvying it up a bit more and giving us something different every night for a week or so to turn like you say turn it into a festival um and and people can pick and you know not everyone's going to watch everything but you can pick and choose the bits that you do want to watch pick and choose which wrestlemania you want to watch even if it gets to that that point you know and do a do a do one just for the part-timers fuck <laughs> and do a three-hour one that's just full-timers i don't care just you know, I I I think there's definitely uh, definitely life in that. But yeah, I think this year, like you say, genuinely an opportunity to do something different. And there's so many different sort of mouth-watering combinations of matches that we could get. Like at my first, I think at this, I was so behind Seth and Brock for the title because I thought it was the perfect way to culminate Seth's arc. But I think if anything, Seth and Finn would work better the more we talk about this sort of thing. So that to me is would be my. Uh, I guess my foremost ask, I would want Ali to have a great match against someone. I love the idea of Ali and Joe at WrestleMania, to be perfectly honest, but I'm not sure that A would would be able to get... He's got the legs, yeah. Yeah, taken that far. And and also, I'm not sure whether I'd want to see that kind of big little man underdog story from Ali as much as I would want to see the the competitive Jericho-Christian-style match uh, against who, I'm not sure... Um, maybe, uh, like I said, I think Almas would be a tremendous shout because there's a guy, you talk about Seth in a big match at WrestleMania, like Almas has more than earned a, at least a spot on the main card at WrestleMania. Um, or maybe even go cross brand and do Ali and Ambrose, have them set something up in the Rumble or something like that, you know. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm very wary about the women's tag team titles. I don't think adding more shiny jewels is going to distract people from the vacuous... Uh, soul of WWE at the minute, but uh, you know I think there's room there for some for some good uh, women's story-driven matches as well outside of the title matches. Um, who I don't know, but it feels like there's there's the room there. So um, I mean, there quick fire round matches that you would love to see at WrestleMania this year. Um, I, I want something. Something really good for Dean Ambrose, I think, is probably yeah. highest on my list. Um, I mean, if we're talking total fantasy, because they'd never do it, 
But heel, heel, Ambrose McIntyre. I think I'd be all over that. Um, I don't know if Kevin Owens is going to make it back in time. Um, But, you know, like Owens v. Ali. Oh, nice. I think that would be a really cool one. Um, Tag-wise, just like let Revival and... You know, Revival and, uh, like, Joe and Gable, um, like, tear it down or or go heel, heel and have Revival v. Authors of Pain and let them reprise some of the greats that they did in, uh, in NXT or, you know, I mean, even, I mean, God, I mean, I don't know if you would be really bold, maybe bring up Undisputed Era and have them v. The Revival. Mm. I mean, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Like, if you're actually in that, if you're actually in the position of, of booking it's like you know you you got your own very own universe mode so you certainly it's sort of like great combinations just purely for a wrestling point of view that you just think nah they'd never do that well this is it isn't it and this is the ultimate kind of um uh poison at the heart of everything is they've got they've got so much talent that you almost when you're given the book you almost wouldn't know what to do with it like it's like netflix when you spend two hours browsing through looking for something to watch and then i'm not watching anything because there's just too much to choose from um and yet in spite of that they'll go well but we still need to bring back the undertaker for one night well you really don't because if you can't find something in all of that swathe of talent that you've signed because you like what they can do incident. There's a reason you signed them, by the way. Um, then there's something seriously wrong, which of course we know there is, but hopefully this will, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it cause I've said it that many times on this show over the last few years. Yeah. And I think the, the, the biggest, the, the biggest thing for me um, about WrestleMania this year is that, yeah, there's no need for an Undertaker match, you know, there's there's no need, uh, there's no need for a Cena match, and I think that's 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 really that's really what kind of um, you know just lets the whole lets the whole thing down, you know. When like, when we talk about having a WrestleMania over over two days, well, it stops all that debate of is a pre-show match a WrestleMania match because yeah. then you don't have a pre-show, you have two shows. And, and, you know, one's headlined by one thing and one's headlined by another thing. And everything is part of WrestleMania because it's a whole weekend event. And you don't get this kind of toxic, oh, well, you know, Dean Ambrose beat Baron Corbin uh, uh, for the Intercontinental title, but uh, it wasn't really a WrestleMania match. Mm. Yeah, that kind of stuff is just, it, it drives me mad. So I, I really hope in the future they'll consider a more creative model. And the thing is, Again, you gotta like look to the future and say, right, Triple H is somebody that's shown a bit of a knack for curating events and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe when the XFL finally kicks off, there might be hope of Triple H shaping a WrestleMania in a in a, a better way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's hoping. I, although, to be honest. Uh, I I fear for the day when when Triple H is is running things as well because of the the over the top habits that NXT's fallen into over recent years with with you know forty minute matches and and endless rivalries with the not just the same uh, you know the same two guys wrestling each other but the same two guys wrestling each other in the same stipulation with three different names telling the same story over it. like I just. I, it, you know, I'm I'm as cynical about that as I'm about anything, but we'll see. I mean, but yeah, I mean, to be, I mean, personally, I would take the 
tendency towards you know bombast of NXT over all the old guys True. wandering around. Yeah. So you know, even and at least it's, at least it's bombast featuring generation of this generation of talent. Yeah, and and you know the other thing to say about that is that you know. Uh, the, the Triple H, the expectation of Triple H will be sky high, and I think that's probably the biggest problem that he would have is that people would expect it to be fixed instantly. Um, so I mean, he's going to face. You know, no one's pretending he's not going to face huge issues as well. And Triple H himself, of course, you know, um, although he's been recast as the patron saint of pro wrestling, you know, his own past in in backstage politics and and so on and so forth means that you know it's never going to be. Um, maybe the utopia that everyone thinks it will be. Look, I mean, ultimately, like I can, I'm perfectly happy to accept a flawed WWE. You know, no organization is perfect. I don't need it to be as amazing like I would love it to be, but I don't need it to be as amazing as it was. You know, uh, at the end of 13, beginning of 2014, uh, all the time. I just need a company that's willing to move with the times put fresh talent up front and recognize talent when they have it. That's all I need. Like I can accept all the, I can accept seven hour WrestleManias. I can accept a brand split. I can accept all of this other stuff that I don't agree with provided that it's this generation of talent, the next contemporary generation of talent and so on and so forth that gets the lion's share of the spotlight and that isn't talked down to all the time and, and turned into a into some perverted self-fulfilling prophecy on the part of the company that seems to obsess over its own failures more than it does its own successes um, by casting everything as, as a dismal uh, retread of what once was in, a, in in the most odd way because that's it's so weird to explain the situation WWE in. I just want a company that for all its flaws says, yeah, okay, we've got you know, seven-hour WrestleManias and excessive matches, but at least we're doing it with the guys who are in the late 20s, in their early 30s, guys of this generation. We're recognizing the talent they have, and we're giving them the opportunity to succeed. You know, we're not going to script every single line and every single promo for you. We're going to let you develop your own voice and show that off to the world. We're not going to uh, we're not going to micromanage every aspect of everything. We're going to let you have some creative input. You know, just 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 back to basics. Yes. No, I, I agree. I agree entirely. You know, I, I think if they just if they just put together WrestleMania with contemporary talent, um, you know, after a good Royal Rumble and some twists and turns along the way, um, I think fans will largely be happy, you know, and, and just enough with this sort of, oh, you'll like what we tell you to like. That's the biggest that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Potentially is just the fact that um, every year the fans make it clear what they like and you know, the company see fit to say, no, 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 you shouldn't be liking that like this. It does go both ways as well, though. And I think that's why it's important, like we were saying earlier with TV that has improved, to be open in recognizing when TV has improved. Definitely. Because sometimes we're our own worst enemy uh, in that we want change and they in the, sometimes they do offer up change and we do reject it, you know, because we're too busy complaining about what they're getting wrong. And so they don't know, you know, because I, I genuinely believe they they at least there are there are elements in WWE uh, backstage that want to go with you know the the general uh, feel of the audience and what the audience wants and i think there are elements of WWE that genuinely mistake 
uh, what the audience wants because of the mixed because we do send out mixed signals and I'm not saying that to criticise fans I, I just think it's true we do all of us send out mixed signals to come about what we want so it's important when they do show improvement to say okay well that's better than it was we still do better but that's better than it was <laughs> yeah quite um, and I think I think you know I have really enjoyed um, the last couple of weeks TV I there are things that I don't like so much but I feel more optimistic about wrestling now than I have done since before the brand split. I think this is easily the most positive I felt about it. And I think you're not alone in that. And I think that's why it's so important to capture the atmosphere, to capture this this flashpoint in history, which it very much is, all things considered. Like I said earlier, you know, you've got AEW cropping up, Roman Reigns taking extended leave, Brock Lesnar supposedly with one foot out the door still. Uh, you know, guys wanting to step up and take the opportunity, NXT expanding overseas, you know, NXT UK finding its feet. There's a lot of change in the air. It's a flashpoint in, in history. You've got fans feel like self feeling posit- more positive than we felt in a, in, a, in a relatively long time. And this is the point at which you have to be brave, take those risks, uh, put your best creative foot forward, put a lot of energy into it more than you normally do and really capitalise on that moment to, to create an atmosphere that can catalyse semi-permanent change. Yes, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, And and for that to happen, you have to have the first step. And maybe WrestleMania 35 yes. is that first step, you know? Um, maybe WrestleMania 35, we have John Cena, and maybe we have Shane McMahon, but we don't have anyone else, you know? We don't have anyone else from, from that, you know, from that kind of thing. You know, you're going to get some sort of shame Miz thing. Don't want to see it. We'll probably fast forward it, but like it's going to happen. Um, Cena, it would seem, is destined to have a WrestleMania match of sorts. If that's all we get, I think I can cope with that. And Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar, which that match won't be long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there is always that. Um, but you know, like. If it means that we watch a Brock well, Lesnar... I mean, if, I think uh, if it's with Seth, you could be looking at a 20, 30 minutes. Yes, and if it's with Seth, then I think it's quite a different situation. Hopefully they would be able to put something to, you know, really good together. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I was thinking for all of last year that Lesnar just didn't want to wrestle good matches. And he has that Styles match out of absolutely bloody nowhere. Um, well. I mean, I know, I know you're not so, not so fond of it, but, you know, he... I don't know. It's weird. Like how it's so hard to unpick how much of those matches were of WWE's design and how much they were of Lesnar's design. It's difficult to tell. I think, I think there's a little bit of both. I mean, Dean obviously famously said that at WrestleMania 32, Brockton wasn't motivated to do anything um, and tended to railroad a lot of Dean's ideas. Um, I, I think I get the impression with Brock, it very much depends on the mood he's in on the day. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it depends whether he's, whether he feels like he could be asked that day to do it. Um, but I think, you know, if he does get matched up with Seth this year, um, you know, it's a, it's a fresh opponent for him. Cause if that, that's the other odd thing, you know, it feels like he's been wrestling the same guys forever. Which is weird, doesn't it? Like he's mm. he's wrestled Strowman two or three times. He's wrestled Reigns more times. Joe a few times. Town. Yeah, so it it you know it's a fresh guy. Uh, they they have a brief bit of history with one another, you know. But Seth's such a versatile performer, right? Because you know we say about him wrestling small guys, but Seth is deceptively very strong as well because of the CrossFit stuff. 
Um, and 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 indeed, well, he's, a, he's a big guy. He's six three, he two thirty. You know, he's not. You know, he's kind of he's Bret Hart sized. He's not a cruiserweight. I think he's. I think he's billed under two twenty. Um, but he's he's you know I mean the announcers will regularly say in his matches that he's pound for pound one of the you know pound for pound one of the strongest guys in the company. So there's so the the point I'm making is that he's a very versatile performer uh, physically, in a way that I think maybe he's even more so than than uh, Styles at least in terms of strength and speed. Um, and so it you know has the opportunity to give Brock a very unique kind of match, especially when you think about Seth's. Um, storytelling chops as well which are very very old school sometimes like dean you know very kind of mid 90s you know sean brett style uh he's you can work the knee gimmick if you want um he's got the curb stomp, which is a great finish you know uh, there's there's a lot that the two of them can work with in the ring um and so you know maybe maybe my cynicism is misplaced and maybe and and if brock does beat i mean my the more we've talked about it, the more I want Finn to beat Brock. But I'm under no sort of mistaken impression that the, that Brock has to be considered the favourite, right? But like, what a great warm-up match to lead into a match with Seth at Mania if that's indeed the the route that they go down. Because there's no te- the, first of all, it's no guarantee Seth's winning the Rumble. By the way, I know a lot of, we we sort of expect him to, but it's it doesn't happen until it happens. And but even if he does, there's no guarantee he's going to wrestle Lesnar. He might wrestle Bryan. Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He could choose that route. And again, that'd be a very interesting match, a very interesting match. Um, Brian, I mean, Brian, I have to say, has been a real highlight for me over the past couple of weeks. Like this new character of his, I've, I've absolutely loved every minute of it. I think I think he's, it's funny, I was so against him coming back. And it's like, you know, not only has he proved that he can stay healthy, but he's also, he's also kind of um, unveiled perhaps his most interesting character in, you know five or six years so yeah it's it's um, yeah exactly so i mean I, I did love the 2011 2012 um stuff i'd say but and his uh his hot streak that he's found is again you know i was talking about flashpoint in time that that's another contributing factor to it um you know he's wwe champion we thought he was never going to wrestle again he hasn't even wrestled again for a year He's hit upon this incredible character. He's hit upon this incredible hot streak. He's WWE champion. Um, I mean, it, it would be the ineptitude of, of immeasurable proportion not to capture at least some of the potential they've got for genuine change here. Um, this is a, a generation that we've said many times was, was fast approaching that kind of lost status of the generation before them. Uh, and yet it feels like every time WWE try and put the nail in the coffin history or fate or something just says now we're not having it yet we're going to give them you know and it feels like they just keep keep pushing that door inch you know open inch by inch by inch year by year by year because it feels like then this is a generation that isn't intended to be denied and that's why i've said many many times you know you think about what they've achieved with all these restrictions what they could have achieved without them um and you know it feels like triple h is injured it's become explicitly clear last year that the Undertaker can't really do it anymore, at least not up to standard. You know, Sean has now said he doesn't want to wrestle again. Full stop. Uh, you know, uh, Cena is increasingly relevant, as we said. Uh, Brock one foot out the door. Like, you know, you can't you can't keep ignoring this, Vince. You stubborn old bastard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, and I think. I think we're in a better place than we were. I guess we just have to wait and see, 
you know, wait and see how it goes because it's all very well being you know, feeling optimistic now, but of course we know when the big day comes, it's very easy to suddenly feel very let down again by the whole by the whole um, experience. So, so yeah, I think I think I'll remain cautiously optimistic for present at least. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a horribly stressful night at the Royal Rumble for me because I'm I'm going to be watching through clenched hands, I think, uh, to see if if Seth wins it or not, but. Um, the thing is, I know on the night, I know that if Seth doesn't win, I'm going to be annoyed full stop because I feel like it's 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 screaming out for it. The, but I, if 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 it's another contemporary guy who wins, that takes the edge off a little bit. You know, like if it's a McIntyre or a Dean or someone like that, takes the edge off. What I would find completely inexcusable and absolutely enraging would be if someone like Cena wins it, which oh. would be so beyond the pale in 2019. Uh, and and really just torpedo any talk of a new new era and change and all the rest of it they've been blathering on about for the last few weeks like that's just dead in the water instantly yeah that. someone like Cena like instantly if Cena wins or someone like him part timer wins the rumble like you can't even pretend to go around saying that if that's what you're going to go ahead and do yeah it'd be a slap in the face a huge slap in the face which it is would. why I don't think they'll do it on this occasion I do think I do think all signs um, at the moment point to Seth and. You know, if not, the second favourite looks to be McIntyre. Um, but we shall see. Um, all right, well, we kind of that's our first look at, at where things might be heading in terms of WrestleMania. We got into plenty of other topics as well, of course, uh, as is our won't. Um, in terms of uh, plugs, obviously, listen to to, uh, to plan on sports. The is dead this week, um, looking at the 2009 Royal Rumble, which I agree with him is, is, uh, is the best ever. Um, it's definitely on my uh, on my watch list before the big day to watch that one again. I try and watch that one every year. Um, and of course, we also joined up with Leaf and with uh, Imp to do a comprehensive post show for NXT Takeover UK, which uh, we aired last Sunday. So um, that's still available for you to download if you've only just caught up with NXT UK. Um, Listen to what we thought of the show. Um, it was a, a, a real fun experience to get those guys uh, on with us, and you know, hopefully, you know, they'll they'll visit the pond at some point, um, and we can talk some more NXT UK. Um, and apart from that, of course, do check out our columns on the main page. Uh, Plan, you're on a Friday now. No, I'm on a Sunday. Sunday, okay. But uh, I will be because I I horribly <laughs> I horribly mistimed. Uh, my top 60 performances uh, series uh, and realized I didn't have enough weeks because uh, I planned I planned the timing when it was like 30 or 40 or something so I, I it, it all kind of, so I'm long story short I'm posting on Fridays and Sundays for the next couple of weeks there we go uh, but otherwise you, you can read plans work every Sunday mine every Thursday um, and Mazza on a Saturday so um, yes that's our, that's our written work and of course in terms of the podcast world, all of the usual shows, and on a Monday, um, One Nation Radio and Global Impact on a Tuesday, um, Plan on a Wednesday, uh, Imp on a Thursday, uh, Me, Plan and Maz on a Friday, and of course specials and stuff at the weekends. Um, yes, of course, Royal Rumble coming up. There'll be Plan Mania. I don't know where we are now. God knows. Plan I mean, Mania 33, like pretty much, yeah. Yeah, probably. Feels <laughs> like it. All right, so from the right side of the pond, until next time, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you later. Bye.